0: Is The Trip That Changed Me, a podcast about trips that transform. I'm Esme Benjamin, editor of Full Time Travel. And every other Thursday, I'll be sitting down with entrepreneurs, writers, entertainers, and everyday adventurers to discuss a journey that shifted their mindset, ignited a new calling, expanded their heart, or ushered in a new chapter. My guest today, Nicole Smith, is the founder of Flightographer, a marketplace that connects travelers with local photographers around the world to capture candid pictures of their favorite travel moments. In just six years, Nicole has grown Flightographer into a multi million dollar business that operates in 300 cities across six continents and was ranked one of the fastest growing startups in Canada by Canadian Business Magazine. Nicole was featured in Mashable's Eight Women Shattering the Travel Industry's Glass Ceiling and recently joined the board of the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. I called Nicole in Victoria, British Columbia, to find out how a reunion with her long-distance bestie in Paris contained the light bulb moment that led to the creation of her company. Nicole Smith, welcome to The Trip That Changed Me. Thank you so much for having me. As a huge photography fan and just an obsessive photo taker since I was a kid, I'm really excited to talk to you about Flytographer. It's super cool. And also, you know, you have a really cool founder story. I think people are going to love it. Well, I'm excited to share more. So let's jump in by setting the scene prior to the trip. So you were living in Victoria, Canada with your two sons, working in tech, and you had just come out of a rough divorce. What was your headspace like at that moment in time? Well, I was, yeah, I was just coming out of a a difficult divorce. My kids
1: were two and four at the time. And my boss sat me down one day and was like, "Um, you need to go to Paris for this work project. So I was very excited about it. Um, And luckily, my best friend lives pretty close by she lives in Copenhagen. So I said, why don't you meet me for two days after my work is done and we can have the streets of Paris all to ourselves, no partners, no kids, um, just two besties and be able to catch up, you know, over those two days. So before this trip, were you you
0: were working in tech, is that right? Yeah, I spent about 14 years working at Microsoft. And were you quite happy in that space or did you kind of always wonder if there was something better out there for you? You know, I actually really loved my work there
1: and um you know, uh, enjoyed it, worked with great people, worked with great teams, never actually was thinking, oh, what, what else is there out there? I was actually quite happy at the time.
0: I feel like that's actually quite unusual for people on this podcast. Most of the time the guests are kind of like, oh, you know, I was going through a bit of a hard time and I just wanted to shake things up. So, so you're heading over to Paris. This is October 2011. And you're going to meet up with your friend Erica, who lives in Copenhagen. What was the plan for this big reunion? You know, our plan was, you know, I, I was going to meet her on Friday for dinner. We were going to have all day
1: Saturday, all day Sunday. And we didn't have an agenda. And that was, I think, the best part. We'd both been to Paris before. We didn't need to see all the touristy things, you know, the the Eiffel Tower and all those wonderful things. But, you know, we just wanted to grab a coffee, walk
0: the streets of La Marais and um, catch up and soak up Paris. Yeah, so this wasn't your first time in Paris, but how did this experience compare with previous visits? I think the difference in this
1: one is that I think it was probably my third or fourth time to Paris at that point. And so I had a little bit of a lay of the land of, of kind of what parts of the city I loved, what parts of the city I, you know, I wanted to still explore. And so for us, we wanted to walk around Le Marais and, um, you know, grab breakfast there, just you know, mix with the locals, do a little bit of shopping, but mostly just, just walk and soak up the streets. And Um, I think that's the nice thing when you've been to a destination that you really love and you've you've been there a few times, you kind of settle in and it's less about rushing around, trying to capture this and and, and capture
0: that, but more so settling into the city and just observing things as they go by. And you and Erica, you both have families, but it was just the two of you on this trip. So how did it feel to kind of step out of that wife and mother role and just please yourselves for a while? oh my God, it was amazing. (laughs) We were walking down the streets.
1: And I think one of us just said like this, this feels like the opus moment of our friendship. Like when are we ever going to be alone in Paris again um, without kids dripping off us and, you know, partners to accommodate where, you know, we could just sort of follow where the wind blew. And um, you know, it was, it was just one of those trips that I'll, I'll never forget. I think at one point we went up to Montmartre and overlooked, you know, the, the whole city and we just looked at each other and we were like, you know, this is amazing. We're here in Paris. Um, you know, we're catching up on everything and it just, it was one of those moments where you almost want to pinch
0: yourself. Yeah, oh, sounds perfect. So you guys are having this kind of blissful experience you two besties, and you decide that you want to capture the moment, naturally. Um, But anybody who has ever asked a stranger to take a photo for them knows that most people are not good at taking photos. So do you have some hilarious photographic disappointment stories in Paris? Oh my God. It was just
1: like, yeah, it was absolutely crazy. So we thought, okay, let's, you know, we're having this moment where where we're appreciating like, this is the, you know, the best trip we've been on in years. And we're like, we need to capture it. So, you know, when we're back at the office, it's a rainy October day. We can look at this photo and like, remember how much fun we were having. So we did what everybody does. We take out our iPhones and we hold up our hands and, and try to do a selfie. And then you end up with these Big floating heads, and you can't even really see any of the backdrop. So you could be anywhere. So we're like, okay, selfies are out. And then, so then we moved to Let's Ask a Stranger. So we tried to find someone trustworthy looking and give our phone to them. And then we ended up with, you know, photos where I'd have, you know, six chins and her head would be cut off completely. And again, it didn't capture what we were feeling, what we were seeing. Um, It was like this fast food throwaway selfie. And so, we're like, this just isn't, you know, this just doesn't cut it. So, luckily, the next day when we were um, going for brunch with a local friend of Erica's, I just said to her, Hey, like, can you take a couple shots with my iPhone, but from a distance? And so that was really you know, kind of the the missing element from what we were trying to do the day before. So she would take a photo of us from, you know, with my iPhone, she was an engineer. So she wasn't a photographer by any means. But she would, you know, we would go walk down the cobblestones backs to the camera. And she would take a wide angle shot of us where she actually captured like the, you know, the Parisian architecture in the backdrop. And, you know, we'd go up on the bridge, she'd stay down on the bank and she'd get these different perspective shots of us. So that when I looked at my phone after, and I mean, this probably only went on for 20 minutes, I had goosebumps because she had captured the spirit of our trip in a way that was just impossible without that third party vantage point. And so that's, you know, that was sort of the whole genesis of Flytographer because I realized in that moment this was like the absolute best souvenir I was going to bring home. Um, and secondly, like when I travel again, like how would I recreate this? So that's sort of that. That's how it all kind of happened.
0: That must have been so satisfying. Uh, how did that realization kind of bloom into flightographer? Did you have the the idea then and there or was it something that emerged over time? No, I, I, I didn't have the
1: idea right then and there. I just I just sort of realized the problem then and there. I was like, well, this is the problem. and like, how would I solve this on a future trip? And so I kind of marinated on the idea, flew back home to Canada, back to real life. And, um, you know, the dream of Paris was still in my head. And like I said, I, I loved my job. You know, um, I was just easing into my life as a single mom and things were like, the waters were calm. Everything was finally like, you know, back to a place where, you know, everything was easy again. And I wasn't interested in starting a startup because it just seemed so overwhelming and so scary. But the thing was, from the moment I got back to, to Canada, every single day... I would think about this idea and I would come up with like, Oh, what I could, you know, I could call it this, or, you know, we could, we could arrange it this way and I would need to build a website. And so it was almost like for, for nine months, this idea gestated inside of me and, it like had to burst out. Um, and so I was, I was rounding my, I was coming close to my 40th birthday and I said to myself, you know, if you don't take action and do something towards this idea, Um, before you turn 40, then like just put it to bed forever. And so I kind of gave myself that artificial stake in the ground.
0: I feel like so many entrepreneurs talk about, you know, this, this light bulb aha moment, or, you know, like a gut feeling that they have, and they can't quite shake it. And they know that it's something they have to pursue. And it sounds like it was that way for you. How would you make sense of that idea of a gut feeling? Because I also think people have trouble differentiating between all the different dialogues that go on in their heads, you know, whether it's, is this a heart feeling? Is this a head feeling? Is this a gut feeling? How do you tell the difference between those? I think that, I mean, whenever I talk to fellow entrepreneurs and, you know, in similar situations,
1: it, it's kind of like this, like a barnacle that won't, that won't leave you. It just grips on, you know, grips on, um, and you, you obsess about it. And I think. Um, it's definitely something in your gut. Um, I don't think it's something in your mind, um, because it's not rational uh, by any means. So for me, it was, it was a gut thing and it was just something that I couldn't not do. And, you know, I'd had passing entrepreneurial ideas in the past, but none that I ever considered doing anything about because we all, you know, we all have those problems that we come across in life and, and think, Oh, like, wouldn't it be great if like someone solved this, um, But in this case, I think if you're an entrepreneur or you're, you know, thinking about a business idea and you literally can't stop thinking about it for months on end, you probably should take action and do something towards
0: it. Right. I agree. I think the gut is a kind of quiet and uncomplicated place that there's a sense of just knowing. But also this was a really, really smart idea. (laughs) I find myself talking about the impact of Instagram quite often on this podcast I mean how could you not if it's a travel podcast Um, but yeah it's interesting because we have you know influencers kind of raised the bar when it comes to the caliber of our travel photos but also we're all kind of becoming these obsessive documentarians of our own lives you know Instagram has kind of created this demand for professional travel photography so did you feel like yeah you just instinctively recognized that before everybody else did?
1: I think that we got really lucky with timing because, you know, to your point, everyone is documenting things at, you know, unprecedented levels um, that, you know, weren't they weren't in the past. I I think there's something like, you know, 1.2 trillion photos taken a year. And that's because of smartphones. And so everyone has this, you know, camera in their pocket all the time. And so you know, people are wanting to chronicle moments more and more, um, and then with Instagram, people are wanting to share them beautifully. So, you know, I think the the timing for us was really fortuitous, and that you know, yes, flightographer can help you upgrade your travel photos, and you can have more beautiful photos, and it's a great way for you know us as a business to you know, spread the word about what we're doing. Um, But what we also see is people um, are really moving away from purchasing things and looking towards purchasing experiences when they travel. And, um, you know, kind of adjacent to that is the whole um, deep local uh, movement where people want to connect with locals when they travel. Um, That's kind of why we travel for many of us is to see how others live. And so I think flightographer hit three trends, which was, you know, the rise of social media and and, and photography, um, you know, the experiences versus things. And then the deep local where our local photographers guide you around that city for an hour um, and just share really insightful tips about the city. So I think that's been one of the key um, elements of our success is that those three trends kind of converged right around the time we launched.
0: For- Anybody who's never heard of Flightographer, can you talk them through the process? How does the whole thing work? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: um, it's kind of like, I guess people say Airbnb for photography, just as a quick way to explain it. But essentially, it's a marketplace where we connect travelers with local photographers. And so if you're going on a, you know, a honeymoon or a family trip to Rome you could go to our website, type in Rome, see all the photographers available, view their portfolios, their reviews, um, read a bit about their bios, and then choose the one that you, you feel connected with. Um, it all happens through our platform. And then um, the day of the shoot, you're going to meet that local photographer for one hour. I mean, you can you can book as short as 30 minutes, but on average, most people book about an hour. And you're going to you know walk the streets for an hour. They're going to take... Gorgeous, like amazing photos of you with those iconic backdrops. Um, everyone's gonna be in the photo together, but they're also gonna tell you really cool tips about the city. Like, you know, this is the best coffee shop, or this alley has like a killer view of the Coliseum, and most people don't know about it. So you come home and you've not only got this amazing souvenir, but you've rubbed elbows with the local in a way that um, you might not have otherwise. So that's kind of the that's
0: kind of the deal with phytographer. And I'm curious to know what kinds of people have been booking um, these photographers. Like, Is it influencers? Is it people who are about to propose to their partner? You know, is it groups of friends? What have you seen in terms of that? You know, it's really interesting because it's everyone from millennials to grandparents.
1: And so we see people, you know, booking it often with those big moments in life. So maybe a surprise proposal or a honeymoon or 50th anniversary, you know, a bachelorette party, baby moon, family reunion, et cetera, et cetera. But we're also seeing a ton of solo travelers as well now, too, because, um, you know, just because you're traveling solo doesn't mean you don't deserve an incredible photo as well.
0: I hadn't even thought of that. But that's actually a really good point. That there is a need for that. Um, and as you said, the photographers are these really cool local people who can give clients these awesome insider tips. How did you begin to actually find these photographers? So I found my first one on Craigslist and, you know, that doesn't always work out. So
1: <laughs> it was kind of a gamble. But in our case, we were lucky. And um, he, you know, he wasn't a psychopath. He was fantastic. And he's still with us today. So um, not really knowing how to launch a startup, I, I just jumped into this with a lot of gut and a lot of instinct. And so the first thing I did was um, interview some photographers on on on. Paris Craigslist, found one that was was great, had friends going to Paris and so um, I did this test sheet with them. and they loved it and he loved it. And so then I had another friend going to London a few weeks later found a photographer there. Um, and so I just repeated the process, uh, you know, across a, a number of cities with tra- friends that just happened to be traveling. And, um, you know, the feedback from everybody was, wow, this is like such a great souvenir. And I loved hanging out with that photographer. And he told me all these great tips and the photographers were like, yeah, this is like work we wouldn't normally get. And, and, um, it was easy and fun. Um, and so after I did those, you know, multiple test shoots, I, I thought, my God, this could actually work. And that's when I decided to build the website and, and really start to go for it.
0: And you told our producers that it feels as if you have a secret door to friends around the world with flightographer, because wherever you travel now, you get to hang out with these local flightographers. Um, so what are some of the most noteworthy insider travel things that you've learned from the little family you've cultivated?
1: Yeah, we have an incredible, we've over 500 photographers in our family. And, um, you know, just for context, we've had probably over 15,000 apply. So we, we only hire, like we've hired less than 3%. And we look for the ones that um, have, you know, obviously really talented, have great personalities, the kind of, you, you know, a person you'd want to grab a beer with in Lisbon. Um, and also really, you know, high integrity professionals. So, so that's sort of the mix we look for. But, you know our photographers have become friends with each other become friends with um our customers and and um so we visit each other all the time uh we have a meetup once a year we did ours in santorini last month um and they learn a lot from each other so they can learn like um whether it's photography tips or travel tips every day on our private facebook page someone will be saying like oh i'm going here like what should i see what should i do what should i eat um, and, you know, they'll pipe in and share their tips just like they do with with our customers. So you know, I can't think of a specific example off the top of my head, but there's literally recommendations flying out every single day um, around what to do, what to eat, what to see. Um, and, you know, when we were in Santorini for our meetup last month, Kimon, who's one of our photographers, um, just like arranged everything for us in terms of where we were having our workshops, where we were having our dinners. And we did this incredible catamaran tour um, through the caldera that we probably wouldn't have if he didn't, you know, know the, the captain of the, of the ship. So um, it's just endless. The, the advice just it streams out daily.
0: It seems like the company has unfolded in a really organic and beautiful way and you've had so much positive press for the business. Condé Nast Traveller called Flightographer the future of travel photography and Forbes listed it as the number one gift for travellers. And then Oprah.com called it an ingenious travel hack. So I feel like, you know, if you get the Oprah seal of approval, you know you're already onto something. Do you have um, any tips for aspiring entrepreneurs? You've got to have a great product. If If you don't
1: have something that... People are excited about. I mean, that's sort of where you have to start. Um, but I think that we we did a few things in the early days to help generate some press guerrilla style. And so there's um, a couple of resources you can check out like Harrow, which is help a reporter out. If you sign up for Harrow, you can see a feed of all the media looking for stories every single day. So we ended up getting a huge feature in Huffington Post um, the first year we were uh, live. And that was just because we'd signed up for Harrow. The other thing is, if you're looking to... Um, you know, get in a certain publication, I think the best thing you can do is to follow the writers um, that write for that publication um, and engage with them in authentic ways um, in advance and, and, and then start to kind of get on their radar a little bit. And then when you're, you know, um, you've done that for a while, then you can start to, you know, share your story as well. So um, I kind of, I would say those would
0: be two t- tips um, I would, I would try. Those are excellent tips, and I can also recommend Harrow um, from the journalist side of things. I use it all the time. I also want to talk about Dragon's Den. You went on there recently, and it sounds quite intense. Tell us about that experience. Oh, my God, it was terrifying. <laughs> um,
1: it was a kind of a unique situation. We got a phone call from them about a week before they wanted us to come film. We hadn't applied to be on the show, so it was totally out of the blue. And... Um, you know, it's, it's across the country in Toronto. So, um, I kind of said no, when they first called us, we just closed an angel round. We didn't actually need money, but then the producer called me back the next day and she said, you know, do you realize a million eyeballs are going to be on your brand? So you really should reconsider this. And so we were like, okay. And so with literally three days notice, we wrote, um, a pitch, built a set. And flew across the country um, to film in Toronto. And um, I ended up bringing my tenure, my son was 10 at the time. So he is actually in the episode handing out collateral to the dragons and like, I'll just, that's my favorite part of the show now is to be able to look back on Netflix and see my son for like that, you know, microsecond. Um, but it was incredibly intimidating. You walk down and just to give you some context, you, it's like dark and you walk down these stairs and then suddenly like the lights turn on and there's like, it feels like a million lights in the ceiling. And it's also like a million cameras in the ceiling and they're coming down um, and they're going up again. So you've got like all these lights, all these cameras, and then the dragons are just kind of staring at you with like a very neutral expression. And uh, I find that like, I have this physiological reaction where my mouth just gets totally dry and I feel like I have a cotton mouth and of course there's no water or anything. So um, I, I think even though I was
0: like not stressed going into it. The moment I was in the den, it just like hit me and I was like, oh my But at least I guess you were coming from a place of power knowing that you weren't going to accept any investment.
1: Yeah, I, it, it was a good position to be in going in um, and we were open to investment if, if it was the right partner um, and it was at the right valuation. Um, but the two offers that we did get, just weren't there. So we declined or I declined. And um, it was it was a great experience because we got so much exposure from from being on the show. And um, we still get we still get bookings today because it's in
0: syndication on Netflix. Oh, that's awesome. So how do you think this is a big question? How do you think your life would have been different if you hadn't taken this trip? Oh my God! It's like this trip changed the.
1: It's like that sliding doors movie. It changed the entire trajectory of my life. So, um, it's it's immeasurable to even think about. If I hadn't started um I never would have become an entrepreneur. I wouldn't have met all these incredible photographers around the world. Um, and you know, we've captured over two and a half million memories for our clients. And so I think about all those moments that just, you know, would have been a selfie. And so there's just, you know, there's so many, there's so many things that I just, when I, when I step back and think if I had let fear stop me and there was probably at least five or six times where I almost didn't start because there was so much fear um, about, you know, leaping off the cliff towards this. And, and, and imagine that flightographer wouldn't exist. it, it blows me away and so this trip changed my life um, and changed the lives of my team and so many people so it was definitely one of those trips for the record books
0: Nicole you've been great thank you so much and before I let you go I have a couple of quickfire questions that I would love your answers to the first one is if you could teleport anywhere just for the day where would you go and what would you do if I could teleport
1: anywhere for the day, I would teleport to Copenhagen and I would spend the day with my best friend, just
0: catching up and having a fantastic meal and, um, yeah, enjoying the city. What is one thing that you believe every person should experience in their lifetime?
1: I think everybody should experience taking a big risk and, um, you know, possibly failing because what you learn from that just helps um, propel you to whatever you're meant to do next. What is something you never travel without? So I never travel without like a big sort of Pashmina navy Pashmina shawl. I use it as a blanket. I use it as a a pillow. Um and um I never travel without wet wipes because I'm a germaphobe and so I'm always like wiping down the, the plane, plain uh, you know, the seed and the the tray table and, and things like that. Um and obviously
0: um I never travel without my iPhone. Which seat do you like to sit in on the plane the window or the aisle always the window and also did you know that you're less likely to get sick if you sit in the window seat that's a little germaphobe tip oh good to know (laughs) airbnb hotel or stay with friends and why always stay with friends because um
1: you can sit up and drink wine to the late hours of the morning it's just way more intimate way more fun um you can stay at an Airbnb anytime. So whenever there's the opportunity to stay
0: with my friends, I'd prefer to do that. What have you been surprised to learn about yourself through traveling? These are great questions. I <laughs>
1: I think what I've learned about myself through traveling is that my bucket list is never going to um, be checked off completely. The more I travel, the more I want to see,
0: just the more curious I get about life. And which destination is the top of your bucket list right now? The top of my bucket list right
1: now is uh, Australia and New Zealand. So planning to take my kids down there in about a year, but we've never been. And um, really excited to explore uh, the Great
0: Barrier Reef and Sydney and all those areas. Is there a destination in Paris that is not so touristy that you would recommend? Well, I'm a big fan of Montmartre, which
1: I know that, you know, people go to Sacré-Cœur at the top, but there's so many little alleys and neighborhoods as you wander down the hill. Um, a lot of our photographers live in Montmartre. Um, it's just so vibrant and alive. And what I would say is, you know, take the funicula to the top, see, you know, get your your photographs of Sacré-Cœur and the city, and then just spend like an hour meandering down the hill
0: and getting lost in the alleys. And what is your absolute favorite place to eat in Paris? Well, I mean, if I had
1: no budget, <laughs> I would say um, definitely at the uh,
0: Four Seasons George Sank. It's just a once in a lifetime experience. Awesome. Nicole, you've been so great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. You can find out more about Nicole and her company by visiting Flytographer.com. And be sure to check out examples of past shoots on Instagram by following at Flightographer. The company is also trialing an instant book option in Hawaii through April 2020. So if you happen to find yourself on the islands and decide you want pro shots of your trip, you can hire somebody on the spot. One more thing before you go about your day. Full-Time Travel recently added an amazing travel advisor to our team, and I want to take a minute here to shout her out because booking through an advisor is such a travel hack, it's crazy more people don't know about it. Her name is Chelsea Martin. She's an affiliate of Embark and Virtuoso, and she's also a travel influencer in her own right. You can find her on Instagram at Passport2Friday. Chelsea has amazing relationships with hotels, tour operators, and locals all over the world. And not only will she sort the logistics and take all the stressful planning off your hands, She also scores insane perks at no extra cost to you. Think room upgrades, free cocktails, spa discounts, and late checkouts to name just a few. So whether you want to book an extravagant honeymoon or just want to secure the best hotel for your budget, Chelsea has you covered. Just drop her an email at chelsea at fttadvisor.com. That's chelsea at fttadvisor.com and start planning your dream trip with VIP perks today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. I'll be back in two weeks time to share more inspiring travel stories. And in the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line. And please be sure to rate, review and subscribe so we can keep this adventure going.